Services. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Automation Discussion. I'm your host, Alex Glenn. Today, we are going to discuss a specific aspect of your selling process where you produce and send a proposal. To get a client to sign the contract first requires a statement of work, i.e. a proposal of work. And the process by which your agency produces, sends, and tracks these proposals can potentially kill the deal. You can shoot yourself in the foot with your proposal process by A, making you look unprofessional or inadequate, B, under qualifying and poor needs assessment leading up to your proposal, C, allowing too much time for your proposal to be shopped by your prospect, or D, having poor SOPs and under-tracked gray areas in your sales pipeline filled with stress and unknowns. My guest today has tested and experienced almost every rational proposal composition and presentation method you can think of. That guest is Adam Hempenstahl. Adam is the founder and CEO of BetterProposals.io, a proposal management software that helps you close more sales faster. Today, Adam and I discuss the best structure for an agency's sales process, the do's and don'ts of automating your proposals, how long and detailed your proposals should be, the process for creating, sending, and tracking proposals, what live proposals are, and how to best incorporate chat and other conversion technology onto your proposal pages. I hope you enjoy this incredible episode around an aspect of your business that can make or lose thousands in revenue each year. Enjoy. The marketing automation discussion. Welcome to the marketing automation discussion. Here's your host, my dad. All right, Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Why don't you give everyone a quick introduction? Sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me. My name is Adam Hempenstall. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of a software company called Better Proposals. Uh, Better Proposals takes the pain and grief out of the proposal creation process, be that writing, design, sending, getting proposals signed, all that kind of stuff. So you have an easy life when it comes to getting sales over the line and you don't have to worry about procrastinating your proposals any longer. Now, this is the perfect person and the perfect time to do this episode. There's been a lot of discussion out there and, and a lot of articles written, a lot of content around the strategy for proposals, when and if to do them in general, whether you email them or not, do you require signatures, all of that kind of stuff that goes into it. But um, Adam and I are going to talk about sort of the uh, mindset around proposals, setting yourself up for success with proposals. And then we go into a little bit of detail around the sending, the structure, uh, and the replies and follow-ups and those sort of things that go in, uh, in into this whole proposal process. It's very important. Your business can make uh, thousands more, it can lose thousands more during this process. So we definitely want to have a good handle on what it is and why you should or should not do certain things. So the first question, Adam, you know, what is the best way to structure a sales process? So that's a loaded question, but let's start with uh, from the cold presentation of services to how that sort of makes its way into a proposal through the sale. So 
I think the most important part of all of this is really good discovery. If you get this bit wrong, you are always guessing. And when you're guessing, you're just not, you know, you're going to have to be really lucky to hit the nail on the head there. So, um, you know, it's, it's really important to make sure that you've got a good set of questions when you're uh, actually trying to figure out whether you can actually help a company or not. So, you know, a good way to do this is, is to just, you know, to do a little bit of research into what a needs analysis is, and then just get that part handled. Because if you can do that well, then the proposal writing process is really, really, really easy. And apart from anything else, it makes you come across so much better in your sales meetings and sales discovery anyway. So, um, yeah, just making sure you have good questions, asking why a lot, digging into the real reasons as to why somebody actually wants to do the thing that they want to do. So, you know, if they want to generate more leads, for instance, why do they want to do that? There's a million reasons why you would want to. So digging into why really helps you then structure your proposal in a way that actually speaks to them rather than just being some sort of generic sales document and they're trying to retrofit their problem into your document but it should never be that way around got it understood so getting a good needs analysis and discovery process make sure you are getting everything out of a client and and uh, before i jump to some of the conclusions because it's been a little while since i generated large client proposals why don't you give me some examples of what you have to get out of the way in a needs analysis to make sure that your proposal is right on target i think really it's just finding out you know, a couple of things really, you know, exactly what the problem is that they have, you know, assuming this is a business to business sale, of course, there's millions of different types of, of sales that go on, but assuming this is a business to business service that is, that is being sort of sold and, and offered, you really just want to find out exactly what the problem is that they have, right? So, you know, if, if they're finding that they don't have the income and they're like, oh, we need more leads, well, do they, or do they not just need a better conversion rate? So once you start knowing these things and once you start digging into the truth, that's really what it is. It's just getting to the truth of what it is that they're actually trying to do. So, you know, an, an example was um, I had a guy back, God, 10 years ago or so when I was doing web design sales. And uh, this guy said, yeah, you know, we want more leads and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, all right. So we kept going into it. I'm thinking this, this guy's like, he's got so many leads, it's not to do with them. This is really strange. And what it actually turned out was that he was trying to sell the business and he just wanted all of the numbers to go up. That's all he wanted. So once I found out that what he was trying to do was basically pump all his numbers so they looked as good as possible for when he was trying to sell it and put together his uh, sales pack for his business, that changed the whole conversation. So instead, it wasn't about generating more leads necessarily. It was about how to make everything look better. Ended up like 10xing the entire sale because we got to that truth. And once we got to that, the whole deal changed. And it made it so much better, but nobody else stood a chance. And this is the key point. Nobody else could come in and offer what we were offering because we'd got to the truth. We knew that he was trying to sell the business. We knew what he was trying to do to do it. So just getting, being okay with going past a little bit of, um, being a little bit uncomfortable asking why can put you in such amazing stead. So it's, it's, it's a completely undervalued thing and probably an underrated skill as well but be, being okay just being a little bit uncomfortable saying why is it that you want to do that the answer isn't always obvious 
That's a great anecdote. Wow. So uh, dig in deep, ask why, try to get the real truth. You know, they may be asking about leads. They may be asking about revenue, but the real truth may be behind that. There's something in the future that they're really looking to get done through this agency proposal. Um, so get that out before you write up the proposal, before you even structure what the exact process and um, deliverables will be. Uh, so now that we have all the information from the client in our notes, in our meetings, in our recordings, now we're putting together the proposal. So um, let's talk first and foremost about your recommended structure for a proposal. What format, what elements are in that proposal? So I'll tackle the format thing first. So I believe that sending a PDF to somebody is completely inconsiderate. And the reason I think it's inconsiderate and it's, it's, I'm using such a harsh word there is because when you open this thing up and you're on the receiving end of it, there's a 70% chance you're going to be doing it on your phone. And if you've ever tried to open a, you know, a regular paper sized PDF on a phone, it's not fun. It's certainly not fun to read through that when it's a lengthy, meaty document. So when you start sending PDFs to people, there's often no consideration to the fact that the person on the other end is just going to have an absolute adventure trying to read this thing. So I think it's selfish and I think it's inconsiderate to send a PDF to somebody. Um, and if you, you know, if you care about your, um, you know, your clients and your potential clients experience, then you won't do it. Uh, instead, you want to send them something that they can read on their phones or on their tablet, or on their TV or on their laptop or however they choose to, to do this stuff. Um, and the only real way to do that is use web technology. So using a web-based proposal platform, whether that's us or whether it's you know, anything else that's out, that's out there, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely imperative. So the format, I would say it has to be a web-based document. It, it just absolutely has to. Um, and there's not a lot of way of getting around that. So, so absolutely do that and, and research different, different ways you can do that. Our platform is one of them. Um, you know, we're one of sort of the four biggest in the world that do it. So there's not that many, but the, the few that will stand out to you are, are all good options. Um, now in terms of the structure, in terms of the content of the proposal itself, um, I think there's just really a couple of different things that have to be in there. And there's some things that are kind of negotiable. So the first thing is an introduction. Now you absolutely have to have your introduction nailed. If you get this bit wrong, everything else is an uphill struggle. Just try and imagine what it might be like to run up an escalator going the wrong way. It's just everything about everything that's going on is just not fun. It's all going wrong and it's, and it's a bad start. So um, get the introduction right. And the introduction is really simple. It just needs to restate in their words what their issue is and what they're trying to achieve. That's it. None of this about our stuff, none of this how you're gonna do it, just literally it is just about them and it is their stuff, that's all it is. So just restate the problems that they're facing and restate the goals that they're trying to achieve. So what would be a success for them? Um, and that's really all your introduction is. Everything else you, you know, is either fairly obvious um, you know, but you can get almost everything else wrong. But if you get that bit right, you're still in with a chance. Do it the other, other way around and it's always going to be a struggle. So past your introduction, you want to have some sort of like what we're going to do page. So that's just, you know, this can be as detailed or as vague as you like, but 
the more detailed it is, the better it is if you end up in a dispute later on. So if you're doing something technical like websites or marketing or whatever, maybe you want to add a bit more detail here. Um, I know there's a lot of general thinking in the agency space about keeping this nice and vague so that you've got the sort of, it's a bit of a get out of jail free card later on, but it never works in your favor. It'll always work in theirs. So I would always sit on the side of more detail than, than less. Um, and then you want to start thinking about, you know, your timescales and your processes. So, you know, including detailing exactly how long it's going to take to, uh, to complete the project and putting in all of the steps that they're going to go through. Because at this point, you want to just make them feel comfortable. You don't want them to embark on some completely, you know, unknown journey here. You want to try and go, look, it's cool. We've done the discovery. We've had a second call. We're on the proposal stage. That's stage three of seven. You know, you, you want to try and make them feel like they're part of the way through the process already. So it makes them feel a little bit more committed. And, you know, it makes them feel comfortable with the stuff that's coming up. So try to steer away from real hard specifics when it comes to the process and try to steer away from stuff that makes them feel like they've got to do loads of work. If you try and have it very much like, look, it's cool. We've got this stuff. It's, you know, it's a standard process. We just make, work our way through it. It's all nice and easy. Then that's going to make them feel comfortable. Um, the next thing I would say is a case study. Now, I won't go into too much detail here. Just it's just non-negotiable. You absolutely have to have a case study or some social proof in there to prove you can do what you say you're going to do. If you leave this out and they haven't, you know, used you before or come from a seriously good referral, then, you know, it's always going to be very, very difficult for them to, um, to actually just sort of agree and go ahead because it's, you know, it doesn't, doesn't feel good doing that. Um, you know, then there's, uh, your price. So I would always call this an investment always call this an investment, especially if you're in the marketing and web game and the agency staff, or there's any kind of return, you always want to include this. Um, sometimes it's a really good idea to put things like a testimonial on the, on the pricing page or on the, on the investment page to just sort of like soften that, soften that, um, price a little bit, especially if it's quite heavy. Um, next you want to have some sort of guarantee there so this is kind of optional it does depend on how you play your business and it doesn't have to be a money-back guarantee but if there is a heavy amount of risk on the client side or the potential client side then you want to ease that with a guarantee of some description um, and this could just be guaranteeing a time scale if they live up to their end of the bargain or it could be guaranteeing a result as long as certain criteria are met it doesn't have to be like you know, you'll be a millionaire in the next 30 days or we're going to give you all your money back. It doesn't have to be so ridiculous, but guaranteeing something, even if it's a small part of the process, can be a really, really, really good way of showing them that you can, you're can, you happy to put your money where your mouth is. Um, next, I would include some next steps. Now, this is one of the things that people miss off all the time. and I, I, It baffles me as to why people do this, but for some reason... People put often quite good proposals together and then just don't explain what's next. It always seems really strange to me. So you, your next steps, I would always call it that as well. Um, don't let them try and figure out what the next step is. Just tell them in plain English, almost in a childlike language. So, you know, I'd, I'd always just say, look, step one, you know, type your name below and, and sign digitally. Step two is whatever it will be you know we'll send you an invoice or make a payment on the next page step three we'll arrange our first phone call 
you know, that kind of thing. Everybody can get their head around typing their name, paying an invoice and scheduling a phone call. None of these things are difficult things. What you want to avoid doing at this point is saying, here are all the next steps and then detailing 25 things that they're going to have to go and do. That's, that's sort of a scary thing for them to do. No one wants to do it and it's, it's not going to seem good. So always try and make them sort of feel, um, you know, very, very comfortable. Um, and the last thing you want to include is your terms and conditions or your contract. In larger deals, and there is sort of a, a cutoff at some point here, but with larger deals, you will need to split this up because legal will have to check the contract over. So you want the proposal approved first and then have legal deal with their thing separately. But in most small business sales, especially in the agency space, um, you, you can get the contract signed off at the same time. There's no need to drag the sale out. You might as well get the proposal signed off and the contract at the same time. Um, and a bonus of doing this is if it does go south and you do end up in court or you have a dispute or whatever, the one document that you're arguing over has got everything that you said you were going to do. It's got all of the pricing in there. It's got all of the terms, it's got all of the payment stuff. It's got absolutely everything in there. So none of this fetching around for different documents, it's all there. So those are the, um, those are the things that I would absolutely recommend going every single proposal. Okay. So let me just try to recap here. So structure there was a lot there so that was that was awesome but uh, what i took from that and geez i'm i'm like i'm pedaling back to all of the proposals i've sent in my career and um i don't think one had everything that you uh, mentioned here so this is this is incredible um first of all uh, no more pdfs um it, it makes it incredibly complicated for your not complicated but just a pain for your client prospect whoever it is to review it especially on a mobile device so use a web-based proposal generator like betterproposals.io and uh and then from there uh include an intro and, and by the way caveat to the web-based proposals we do want to talk about what you can do with a web-based proposal that you can't do with a pdf so that's next but um next up is include an introduction i will say in addition to the introduction, um, I like to include who's involved in the project, you know, if not pictures of the people that are going to touch their project, just maybe some some names and, and position titles of who's going to touch their project that you've already talked about. Um, a case study from there, huge, uh, definitely agree with that. So include a case study, just remind them why they're choosing you. Uh, next is pricing and always referring to pricing as an investment. I like that a lot. Um, thank you for that. And then a guarantee. So what is going to be guaranteed, if anything? So maybe you're getting them some data and you're handing them a CSV of all the data in included in this outreach project, if it's, a, if it's a lead gen or something like that. Or maybe there's landing page deliverables. Maybe there's assets included. So any guarantees? Um, um, and then next steps. Uh, huge to include the strategy for... Uh, well, the next steps, but the strategy for those next steps after approval is, is really kind of what you're going to do and making it uh, really imperative for them and, and knowledgeable, for, uh, known for them what your team is going to go ahead and execute as soon as they execute the signature just to keep the, the entire process moving. So now we've got our proposal written. We've done that needs analysis. All of that's in the proposal. So everything is perfectly on track now the process of a proposal generation now this is automated.af and the automation podcast so we do have to talk about 
what everyone's going to ask is how automated do you make a proposal generation system as well as the tracking and follow-up? I know better proposals, you guys do offer tracking, of course, um, but why don't we just touch on real quick the process of compose, send, track, follow-up, and automated follow-up and how? Calls, emails. Uh, big question. Um, okay, so... What I would say as a sort of precursor to this is there's obviously hundreds or thousands of different tools that you can use and you can hook up with things like Zapier to sort of link these different tools together to do different things. So, you know, for instance, what you could do is a nice simple little automation is once a proposal has been opened, you could have Zapier then start a, um, an automation in MailChimp to start sending a couple of drip emails. Uh, once the proposal has been opened. So you could do something like that, or you could start a client onboarding procedure once it's been signed, that kind of stuff. So there's little automations that you can do, which I think in general are really, really good. But the the main thing I want to say here really is as a person, as a human being, you can do things that a computer can't do. And a computer can do things that you know much better than you can. Um, and what you're so good at as a human is caring, thinking, and empathizing. So what you should be doing is thinking about the systems that should go into, in, into your sort of proposal process, um, but also making sure that you're allocating the correct amount of time to doing things like writing a great introduction and actually thinking about the content of the proposal itself, not worrying so much about who you've got to speak to next and all that kind of stuff. So. Generally, I would say try and get systems to do as much of the heavy lifting as you possibly can for you. So, you know, again, as a person, do you really want to be sitting in front of Microsoft Word, chopping and changing, changing font sizes, trying to line everything up on the same page so you don't have one line jump onto the next page, all that kind of stuff. Like, we've all been there. It's horrible. It's yuck. It's, you know, it's just a complete waste of time. So you want to try and eliminate stuff like that and spend more time on the stuff that you know, a computer can't do and then get, you know, systems to do some of your heavy lifting, like your, a bit of your follow-up and your reminders and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, there's things like tracking, which, you know, having sort of created this company and, and having these, these things there, it's, it's amazing to me how underutilized the tracking still is. Um, but, you know, when, when you know that somebody has opened your proposal, looked at the price and closed it back down again, the follow-up that you do on that deal is so, so, so different to what you would do if they opened it, read everything carefully, and then closed it down. You know that you're dealing with two entirely different scenarios there. So there's, there's some, you know, there's, there's data like that that is very much worth thinking about and trying to think how you can best use it to your advantage so you can win more deals. Yeah, and I'll step in there. Let's let's talk real quickly about the two scenarios there. So I've sent a proposal out. I've used your software, so I do have that data of how long they, they viewed it, how many times they viewed. And the way I articulate this or, you know, analogize this is essentially just like email marketing. You know, if, if someone has opened your email more than a few times or even more than once, uh, and uh, and shared it, and other people have opened that email. That's that's a solid prospect. That's a, that's someone that's very interested in in what you've sent them. So same thing with a proposal. If if the prospect has opened your email and 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 spent five to fifteen seconds on the email, I'm sorry, on the proposal itself, 
Um, chances are they have not read it, obviously, uh, and they haven't opened it since then. So let's talk about first that scenario, what you do or what you suggest, whether you suggest a phone call at that point, an email at that point, um, or do you sort of just uh, count it as uh, they're probably not that interested and uh, and let time do its thing? Um, or do you step in? What do you what do you suggest? I would not ring anybody because I am completely autistic and and, uh, and and always hated phones. So it's partly why I got quite so good at proposals in the first place was because I would do literally anything to avoid having to do exactly that, picking the phone up and calling somebody. So what I would personally do is do absolutely anything possible to to make sure I didn't have to make that call. And I would only do phone calls if somebody you know said, we want to speak to you. And at that point, it was fine. But my little silly little brain didn't really like that very much. So, so my version would be just keep emailing them until until they tell me to clear off. Um, but it, what the the point is, if you are going to follow up with somebody that you know really hasn't shown a huge amount of interest in your proposal, what you've probably not done is hit on some of the points that were important to them. So I would rethink back to that meeting or the discovery session and think. Have I maybe missed anything here? Like, is there something else that's gone on? It's entirely possible that you took ages to send the proposal and they've gone with someone else and they can't be bothered to tell you. It's as simple as that sometimes. Um, but other times it's, you know, you can win these people back over. And I think when you are armed with a little bit more information, like the tracking gives you in, in better proposals and, and other systems sometimes, depending on what you use, um, you do have a little bit more knowledge and you can sort of go, oh, okay, right. They opened it up, looked at the price and closed it down. Okay, fair enough. They think it's too expensive. What I'll do is I'll send them a case study in a few days. I'll send them a case study, no pressure, no real follow-up, just like, hey, saw this, thought of you type stuff. And then maybe I'll sort of try and re-engage them later on. So you are starting from a worse position than if they'd, you know, shown a load of interest and, and what have you. But you know, it's not all sales are the same. So sometimes you do have to sort of grind it out a little bit. And other times they do just go a little bit easier. So, um, yeah, so I would, I, that's what I would do in, in that instance. I would just, you know, I would keep emailing them because I don't like phones. You touched on a good point. If they, if they opened your proposal and pretty much said to you via the data of how long they spent on it, that they, they're not interested in it, right? Uh, they just wanted to check. They probably scrolled right to the bottom, looked at price, and sit in their own mind, does that price reflect what that first proposal phone call, that first needs analysis, that assessment, that sort of value building call that you had, does that price reflect that value building call? No, it doesn't. And that's probably what happened most of the case. Maybe they got busy and closed it and forgot. So you do want to follow up, but that's probably what happened. Now, if that is the client in the client's mind of, hey, it's it's really just not the price that reflects the value that you provided or it didn't hit on those main, uh, maybe a bullet point in there was just not there that they hoped would be in there, whether that's a guarantee or a deliverable or something. Um, now let's talk about getting them back into the proposal funnel to redo the proposal. I think this is a really important thing that we should just touch on real quick is say that prospect obviously gave you the cues that they're not that interested in what you've proposed. Now you need to get them to tell you what their uh, hangup is, whether it was that price or the line item that wasn't there or the time frame or what. 
um, any strategies, any tips that you can give for getting them back into that sort of qualification process had you not done your job? Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's one of those things. It's like once you've lost it, it is really hard. Like there's no point beating around the bush. It is, it is very, very difficult to, to sort of win back something that's very, very dead. Um, often what can, what can really help there is, is just being there at the right place at the right time. So, for instance, there was a, a really high-end furniture company that we were uh, pitching custom software to about, well, I don't know, eight years ago or so. Um, we, I'd originally sent them a PDF proposal, and then about six months later, we rebuilt the, um, or built what is now Better Proposals, but a super early internal-only version of, of what is now Better Proposals. And I resent the proposal using that, mainly because I was excited about it. I thought, well, I haven't heard back from them really. I'll, I'll resend it and jog their memory a little bit. So we had another little phone call, but it was very much like, nah, well, yeah, nah, and we left it. So a full year later, well, more than moved on, so is everybody else. I get an email through that says, you know, this company has just opened your proposal. I'm like, huh, interesting. That's weird. Like, there's no real reason for them to do that, but they must be revisiting the project. So two days later, because I don't want it to seem too weird, um, dropped him a quick email and just said, oh, hey, you know, sitting in a hotel and I saw one of your lights. Um, anyway, I hope you're all well and hope the project went really well. Immediate email back, Adam, we were thinking about your project the other day. You know, we never moved forward with it. It wasn't the right time for us. It is now, um, you know, crazy timing. Would you come back in and see us and revisit it? So I don't know if they were going to contact me anyway, but the fact that I did because I had that information and then just kind of made it look like it was all very random meant that whatever was going to happen was sped up and it was it was all back on my terms again because I because I chased it. So I think there's little things like that that can really, really, really help you. But one thing I would always say is whenever you're sending a proposal to anybody, always agree the next step before you've done the, the current one. So if you've got a proposal that you're sending somebody, say, okay, cool, I'm gonna send you the proposal on Tuesday. Let's schedule now a time to go through it Wednesday afternoon. And then just literally book that call in Wednesday afternoon. Um, or, you know, whenever it is, but, you know, fairly fairly soon after. I mean, we got to a point at some point with our um, software company before we transitioned into running better proposals full time where I would, I would call them up and say, okay, I'm going to send you the proposal. I'm sending it to you now. I'm calling you in an hour. We're going to go through it on the phone. But go and, go, go and have a little primer now. So I would, I would literally just do that and then just tell them that the, the um, proposal was going to be, we were going to go through it together. So they could have some time comfortably by themselves to go through it, but then they were still going to have to deal with me sort of working them through it and dealing with their objections as we, as we properly worked through it. Awesome. That's huge insight. And we've got about five minutes here. So I just want to quickly recap um, what the best practices are around that nurturing system. So, you know, you can set up uh, automations to make sure you're sending maybe a slightly different nurturing sequence if they viewed the proposal versus if they haven't viewed the proposal, if they're still in sort of your sales cycle. So you imagine sort of like an evergreen a case study based, you know, uh, just instill that thought leadership while they're in your sales process, then they open your proposal and then maybe a, um, a nurturing sequence that's more timely and specific um, goes out as soon as they open your proposal. Now, your software allows you to know uh, and receive a notification when they've opened your proposal. So at that point, 
um, if it's been a while and you thought you had lost the deal, uh, reach back out and uh, go ahead and, and find out what is going on with the reason why they opened that proposal at that point. Um, so let's talk about sort of this idea of live proposals with the last five minutes here and um, sort of what you can do, any sort of um, uh, technology-based sort of tactics that can be implemented on page. I'm thinking along the lines of chat and some of the other sort of funnel-based stuff that you can do to make sure you're keeping them engaged in that sales conversation while they're reviewing your proposal. That could be off of the page in another medium or on the page, but anything that comes to mind or any specific uh, examples that you've seen some of your clients do that you thought was super interesting and how they uh, retained the client's attention and closed that proposal possibly while they were reading it after they've sent it. Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, there's a couple of things actually. So um, if you're quite comfortable on video and you have the ability to to do this quite nicely, you know, you've got a good camera, a couple of good lights, whatever it is, um, it doesn't have to be super flash, but recording the introduction as a video or as well as um, can be really, really, really powerful. This is especially good if you aren't necessarily local or didn't meet them in person, because what you don't have and what they probably do have if they're looking at, um, uh, at somebody else as well or another company is they might have met them and they might not have met you. So having a little video there where you're like, hey, I'm a real person. Just wanted to you know explain this. Just thanks so much for the call the other day. Da, 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 da. Just wanted to quickly recap on you know what it was you were trying to do. So like here are all the problems that you said that you were facing, and here are all the things that you want to do. And you know this is the kind of way you want to try and go about it. Blah blah blah. And make them feel like you've heard them. And once you've done that, then life gets a little bit easier because they will engage far more with that proposal if there's a video in there. And there is there's plenty of data to suggest. That that's the case. Um, I'll um, once we're done on here, I'll give you uh, a couple of links. One to an ex a couple of example templates, um, so that you can go over that structure. Um, and the second will be um, some reports that have got some of the data in here that, that backs up that video point that I was bringing up there. Um, so the, um, the 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 second thing is um, is, is really making sure that you send the damn thing quickly. This is huge. So again, in the, um, in, in the annual reports that we create, um, we looked at what the difference in conversion rate was when a proposal was sent within 24 hours of being created versus just three to four days. So perfectly reasonable, three to four days. Um, it's not like we're talking about 24 hours versus six weeks here. It's, it's quite reasonable, same week to send a proposal. Um, and it's staggering. Um, so in the, in 2017, 2018, the conversion rate was 25% higher if you sent it within 24 hours. And then the following year, bearing in mind we tripled as a company, um, so the data's probably leveled out a little bit, it was still 17 or 18%. So a significant jump um, by literally just sending the proposal quickly. So having a good system in place really, really does help do that. Whatever that system is, be it literally a system or or just a, a process you understand well, but whatever you want to do, make sure that you get your proposals out quickly because it's the simplest thing you can do um, to, to really sort of improve your conversion rate. Um, and the other thing is um, putting live chat on your proposals. Now, you obviously can't do this with something that isn't web-based. 
Um, but when you put live chat on your proposals, what you're doing is you're allowing your potential client to ask questions that they wouldn't usually ask you. And what you'll actually find is that the questions that they're asking are questions where if they had time to think about it, they probably wouldn't bring them up. So, you know, they're, they're the, the kind of questions that are very much sort of, you know, well, what happens if it doesn't work? Or what, what can you explain this little clause to me in your contract? Or can you tell me about this little thing? Or will I get that? It's the, once they've sort of had time to think about it, they often leave those things out when they come back to you later on with a sort of a nice formalized list. But when you're in a conversation, it's so much easier to ask those questions. The other point is that it speeds everything up as well. So you'll, you'll find that when you have live chat installed on your proposals, you will probably find, um, if you're like most of our customers, that you get your deals wrapped up much quicker because instead of waiting days and days and days for people to get their questions answered and then it's a big long list from them, then you've got to explain everything and then have another phone call and all that stuff. You're able to just, you know, just rattle through these questions and rattle through these things much, much quicker on their terms. But you, you know, with things like Drift and Intercom and uh, Pure Chat and all these kinds of things, you can answer them on your phone while you're, you know, doing whatever. So it's um, it's a really, really, really interesting and new way of, of kind of closing a deal when, you know, it, it comes across as a very, very helpful method because that's how we see live chat, but actually it works far better in your favor. So there's a couple of little things that you can do with web-based proposals that you can't really do with sort of paper and PDFs. That is a great place to end. And yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. So web-based proposals allow you a lot of flexibility. Try to incorporate video, make it personal. Try to incorporate chat, keep them on the page, have them uh, understand that you're there to answer questions if they do get hung up on price, timeline, guarantees, deliverables, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so use technology to your advantage in your proposal process. Make sure that you're doing things at the right time, getting the right needs analysis in there, structuring the proposals the right way, following up the right way, and you will win that deal. Thank you to my guest, Mr. Adam Hempenstall, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a safe flight, sir. Thank you. All right, Adam. Take care. See ya.